Welcome back to the Superabundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Olaomi Brigway, a transformational life coach and the founder of Superabundant Women, an online community making it easy for driven Christian women to put God first and maximize that God factor so they can create the life of their dreams. In the not-too-distant past, I myself was trapped in an agonizing cycle of failure and shame with my mind constantly dominated by negative emotions. But my life was transformed beyond my wildest dreams when I began to live by the power and the wisdom of God's word. My mission is to teach others to experience the same. On the Super Abundant Life podcast, we have only one goal, to teach and empower Christians to take full advantage of their rights and privileges in Christ in order to build exceptionally successful lives. Thank you for tuning in. I'm so glad you're here. This is Alaomi Brigway and welcome to episode 99 of the Super Abundant Life podcast. So I'm coming to you live from an undisclosed, secretly guarded location that even MI6, CIA and FBI all rolled into one can't find. <laughs> I'm joking though. <laughs> okay. But anyway, seriously, I'm currently away on a much deserved personal retreat I tend to do this usually about three times a year, but because of Cicerona, COVID, eh, this is my first time in over a year that actually that I'm having my retreat. And I can tell you that it is something that is well worth it. I usually come out of these sessions rebirthed. It is such a blessing. There's just something about not having to think about uh, what am I cooking, what's going on in the house, what's happening. Literally, you get away, you're somewhere, and you rest, you think, you have people deliver your meals to you, you basically get up, everything gets cleaned for you. It is It is completely liberating and I always look forward to my time of retreats and um, yeah, I'm so glad that I'm here. I'm looking outside my window now and there's a beautiful view. I tend to always go back to the same place. I am such a creature of habit. (laughs) I'm such a creature of habit. When something works, I don't tamper with it. In fact, when I arrived this time for my retreat, I was given a room on the other side and I didn't have the view that I love so much, which is lake view and looking out to beautiful architecture and all of that. And I was given a room on the other side of the building that didn't have my usual view. And I was like, no, (laughs) I said, no. So I called reception and I said, I know you've checked me in, but is it possible for me to get a room on the other side? And they were very helpful. They were very helpful. Within an hour, they moved to me 
into another room and I absolutely love it. I look forward to this time away. I'm truly, truly grateful for the opportunity to be able to just, just veg out, just relax and chill and allow God to renew that vision that is inside me. Anyway, last week I went on and on and on. At least it felt that way to me <laughs> about you rating and reviewing the podcast. And I'm so glad that I have two reviews to read out to you. And I'm going to acknowledge two people that went ahead to review the podcast. If you reviewed as well, it's quite possible that it hasn't come through yet. It doesn't come through immediately. I think it takes a couple of days. If you still haven't done it, uh uh-uh. what are you waiting for now? Eh, help us. Okay. We need the app. Okay, thank you. So please rate and review the podcast wherever it is you listen to it. I think iTunes is the most straightforward at the moment to be able to do that. I believe Spotify also allows you to. I'm not certain. I tried looking for it, but I'm not very um, adept with using Spotify. So I, I couldn't really find it. So if you know you're on Spotify and you can easily rate and review, please do so. So there are two people that went ahead to leave us a review and a rating on iTunes and the first person is Anu and Anu says every week I come back for very practical lessons from the Bible that I can adopt for the many life's experiences as I go through seasons grateful for this resource thank you so much Anu for doing that and I know I noticed that your name on iTunes is drive and determination queen I love that I love that drive and determination that's absolutely beautiful And Banker says, I love it. Allow me consistently delivers quality messages with practical examples, which you can apply to your life straight away. That all these things, honestly, it's just, it's just making me, I don't know, it's making my head swell a little bit, not in a bad way, but in a, oh my goodness, I'm on the right path. I'm on the right path because these ladies are using words to describe exactly what my mission and my vision is. So thank you so much, Banke, and thank you so much, Anu, for writing that review for us. I truly, truly appreciate you for doing that. If you're listening and you're yet to rate and review the Super Bonner Life podcast, let's get it done. <laughs> okay, so moving on. Today, I'm going to be continuing the series which is titled Extreme Productivity Playbook. And this is the third episode in the series. The first two were released last week and two weeks ago. If you haven't listened, I highly recommend that you do. I've received a lot of feedback, positive feedback, regarding how entertaining and insightful and practical the episodes are. But this is the third installment in the series called Extreme Productivity Playbook. And what do I mean by that? Where do I get that from? Just to give you a brief overview of what the series is about, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 10.10 that if an iron axe head is blunt and a workman does not sharpen its edge, he must exert a great deal of effort. So wisdom has the advantage of giving you success. In other words, wisdom will shorten your time in achieving anything wisdom will multiply your productivity wisdom will give you peace of mind wisdom will create extra time for you to relax and enjoy the things that you truly want while making maximum impact in all areas of your life so that's what this series is about i'm bringing you inside out strategies and ideas that will skyrocket your productivity 
and your rate of advancement in life. Now, the third strategy in the series is dun dun dun. This one, oh, hmm, I'm pretty sure about 90 to 95% of the people that are listening to me are dealing with this at one level or the other. Some of us have gotten to the point where we are better, but in terms of mastery, is very few people that have attained mastery in this particular skill and strategy. And that's why I didn't title it Master This Thing, because mastering it is the lifelong thing. So I've simply called it leverage other people's strengths. In other words, move towards mastering delegation. So I'm going to be talking all about the art and the science of delegation on today's podcast. Unfortunately, too many of us feel the need to do everything ourselves because we haven't really learned how to entrust certain things to people and to leverage other people's strengths, we get everything or try to get everything done ourselves, we become swamped and overwhelmed. And it has been proven through several researches and studies that the inability to delegate is one of the biggest problems that leaders face and people in general. Yet, yet, so this is one of the things that people find the hardest Yet, delegation is one of the most powerful tools that you can employ for phenomenal productivity. So when we're talking about extreme productivity playbook, one of the legs, the pillars of it is you must learn how to delegate and to leverage other people's strengths. It is also the reason why many children grow up without the necessary skills required to take initiative, to be resilient, and to drive the outcomes of their own lives. A lot of children grow up into adults who are more comfortable blaming external situations, external factors, like people, this person didn't help me, this person is because of them, it's because of them, people, governments, economies, etc., rather than taking personal responsibility for their own advancement. How do we end up raising children that become such adults? Because parents are doing everything for their children far longer than is helpful or healthy. Did you hear what I said? So there's a time, a season in your child's life where you must do everything for that child. I mean, for a baby. You can say, what is wrong with you? I bet carry your own feeding bottle and start drinking when the child can't even hold anything. The child just came out of the womb and I say, my friend, take the, bot- the bottle and be drinking. What is wrong with you? Don't you have two hands? Hey? <laughs> I mean, that's ridiculous. But then as the child grows we begin to withdraw some of the things that we are doing for them. Now, the problem is a lot of parents, because of this need to be relevant, because of this need to, quote-unquote, be present, that is one of the reasons why we do this, especially women, especially working professional women, you feel guilty that, oh, I'm putting all this time into my work, I want to be present for my children, but being present does not mean doing stuff for them. Two different things, two completely different things. Now, because of that, we continue to do more for them than is required and longer than is healthy. 
And as a result of that, the children just basically grow up and you're now having to chase them. The child is 18 and they don't want to study. They're university, they're failing. They're spending all night maybe playing games and you are trying to get them to do what they were not trained to do. It becomes more difficult the older they get. So delegation is not just about your own peace of mind, your own mental health. It's more than that. It has consequences to, for the people that we lead when we don't learn this thing that I'm talking about today. Now, for me personally, this is one of the areas that I'm quite strong in. And there are many contributing factors to that. But two in particular stand out for me. Number one, I was raised by a mother (laughs) who was a master delegator. My mom. My mom was a working professional. And from when I was a child, I remember that she delegated stuff. So, for example, I remember that as a child growing up, I had a nanny before I started school. And even when I started school, like after school care, I had a nanny so that she could go to work. We had washman, the person that would come every Saturday and take all my parents' clothes. I mean, the older you got as a child, your clothes stopped going to the washman. You had to go and wash it yourself. So she delegated to children. She delegated to service providers. But the washman would come every Saturday and he would wash all my parents' clothes and my clothes when I was like maybe probably up to age six or so I don't remember but as a child my siblings were way older than me so they would have to wash their own and after that I started washing my own clothes as well when I got to the point where I could and the washman would come back I think the next day to iron everything and put it all away I remember that she had people, lesson teachers, that would come after school to sit down with my siblings and myself to teach us extra classes. She even delegated food sometimes <laughs> with catered food. By ordering in food, we'll drive somewhere and just go and buy food and say, that's your dinner, we're eating this today. I mean, for that time, I'm talking about the 80s, early 80s. That was unheard of. For a woman, for a working woman, it was unheard of. So I think my mom's thinking was a little bit ahead of her own time. And as a result of that, because she somehow, she had this mentality that I don't have to do everything. I can delegate. I can bring people in to help me. And she did. As a result of that, I don't think I ever saw my mother rushed off her feet. I don't think I ever saw my mother panicking like, oh, you know, I'm just so stressed. I have to do this. I, honestly, honestly, as in some of it may be wiped out from my memory. Or, but I look back now and I can't pinpoint one particular incident. I mean, she worried. She had her own anxieties and stuff. But I'm talking about, oh, I, I just feel stressed. as in work. as in I don't have time. No, no, no. That was never an issue for her. All right. Even though she worked full time, had a husband and five kids and other responsibilities, she always had time somehow. She always had time somehow. My mom always had time to sit down and relax in the evening and maybe read a book or watch TV or hang out with us kids or talk with my dad. I wasn't raised with a mother that was always in the kitchen, always in the kitchen. (laughs) You understand what I mean? Now, the second 
significant contributing factor for me that has sort of helped me a little bit along the way more than most women is this. I had my first child as a single parent shortly after I finished university, very early 20s. So I began my career with a brand new baby. My daughter was three months old when I started working, when I started my career, three months. So I had no choice but to learn how to live a balanced life because there was something inside me that would not let me settle for just any kind of career. I was ambitious. I'm still ambitious. I wanted a career that would thrive. And at the same time, I was ambitious to raise a child that would be exceptional. So because I was going for two things at the same time, I had to say, oh yeah, God, let's sit down and work this thing out. So those two things actually have contributed significantly to helping me become more of the kind of person that would delegate. So I tend to delegate. That said, sometimes even I still have to intentionally work through some of the things that I'm going to be sharing with you today. It's an ongoing journey to ensure that I'm spending my time and my strength where it will have the most impact. Why? Because that's how God created us to function. God put each part in its place. The Bible says Paul planted, Apollos watered, then God gave the increase. That's the order that God created this world to function in. No one was created to do it all. There's no such thing as a do it all. Jesus did not do it all and is a perfect model of who we are meant to be as God inhabited men. The problem starts when Paul decides, ah, I planted, oh, why should I allow Apollos to come and steal some of the glory now? <laughs> no, I must water too. Or he thinks, this Apollo Seth, he doesn't even know how to water. I have to do it myself. <laughs> but here's the challenge, right? You can't put things out of place. The Bible says Paul planted, Apollo's water, then God gave the increase. So meaning God will only bring the increase that is due you when each person has played their part. You might say, uh, no, it doesn't matter who plants or who waters. God will always bring the increase as long as the watering and the planting are done. No. Listen to this in Ephesians 4.16. It says, every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. And as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love. So God has instituted it such that it is when different people contribute their strength that you will experience maximum growth. So Paul may be saying, I planted me too. I know how to water. He will water and there may be some increase, but he will never enter the fullness of the increase that God has proportioned for him if he had not brought Apollos into water. Do you understand that? So I'm going to be breaking this down, explaining the benefits of delegation and more importantly, show you how to actually begin to delegate in your life. And I'm going to be taking the story of Moses in Exodus 18 to teach this, this process, the science and the art <laughs> of leveraging other people's strengths and delegating. Okay, so let's get started. To give you a bit of context, prior to Exodus 18, God had powerfully delivered Israel from the hand of Pharaoh and from Egypt, and they were now in the wilderness. While they were there, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, 
came to visit Moses and to see what God was doing amongst them. So I'm going to start from there and I will break it down from that point on. He says that the next day Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. They waited before him in the morning all the way to the evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked. Now notice, he didn't say, wow, Moses, oh, oh, you're such a wonderful servant of the Lord. You're so dedicated, Moses. Ah! Oh, let me clap for you. Let me get up and just clap for you. See how you are saving the Lord with vigor from the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun. Do you know? Sometimes we're looking for those kind of accolades that, ah, you are doing so much for your children. Wow, you're such a dedicated mother. No, see what Jethro said. Jethro said, what are you really accomplishing here? Oh, I'm sure Moses was feeling very happy with himself. Let's see how I'm just so committed to God. You know, I don't even have time to eat. I don't even have time to sleep. I am always serving the people. Oh, God must be really pleased with me. No. So for Jethro to come and say, Oga, what are you <laughs> okay. what are you really accomplishing here? What what do you think you're doing? That's basically what he was saying. You're accomplishing nothing. That was a blow. If some if me, if I thought I was doing so well and being so dedicated and so diligent, somebody comes and says, What are what, what do you think you're accomplishing? Eh? Me, uh uh, uh that's a massive blow. Let me keep reading. He continues and says, why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening like you are some kind of superstar? You are the superstar that is doing everything. Well, everybody just gathers around you, watching you, applauding you, saying you are doing a great job. Huh? Jethro said, this is not good. You are going to wear yourself out and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle by yourself. Now notice what he said. He said you are going to, three things. Said you are not accomplishing anything. Number two, you are going to wear yourself out. And number three, it's going to have far-reaching consequences for the people that you are leading. So this whole idea of oh, I'm just going to get everything done and make life easy for other people is actually affecting them negatively to take that kind of position. Yeah. So why? The first thing I'm going to talk through is why do we find it hard to delegate? What is that code that is written into so many of us that we struggle to do this thing? What reason did Moses actually give? Now look at this. And this is going to lead me to list out the reasons, some of the reasons why we don't like to delegate. If I say one, you hear one and it hits. <laughs> Just literally Take it to God and begin to ask him to help you see it from a different perspective so that you can change. So Moses replied, because the people come to me to get a ruling from God, when a dispute arises, they come to me and I'm the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. I inform the people of God's decrees and give them his instructions. This leads me to the first probably the most common reason why people find it hard to delegate. And that's what I call the savior mentality. The savior mentality. I am the only one that can do it. I am the only one. Moses said, they come to me. They always come to me. 
they always come to me but let me submit to you okay listen carefully let me submit to you that the reason why they always come to you is because that's what they know that's what they've always known that's what they've been trained to do if your children always come to you to solve their problems is because that's how you raise them if your team members always come to you to solve the the problems that pop up is one of two things they had been raised like that and they're bringing that culture into your organization or into your team and you have to be very deliberate to retrain them or that is how you have trained them to be moses said they, they they just come to me yes they will come to you moses because you are the one that was speaking to pharaoh and doing all the miracles but have you now noticed moses that the season has changed there was a time where you were the only person that could go and face god and talk to god and they saw you as the only person that could solve their problems but the season has changed you are no longer having to go and speak to pharaoh now they think you are the only person that can solve every other kind of problem. So that's the first one, savior mentality. Another reason is it is tempting to want the glory for yourself, to receive the affirmation that you're doing a good job. So that validation, okay, <laughs> you can just nod quietly. Don't let anybody that is listening to this podcast, would you see that you are nodding just inside your head, just say, hmm, that's me. Because this, <laughs> this one is hard to admit to. This one is hard to admit to. But if you are thinking like that, you need to admit it at least to yourself and take it to God and say, God, help me remove this thing inside me where I just want the glory for myself and I don't want to share the glory. This is a very serious thing where someone says, oh, let me help you. I'm like, no, 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 no. I want to show that I'm the only person that has worked on this thing. I'm the one that came up with the idea. I'm the one that set up the systems. I'm the one that, etc., etc. I just want the glory for myself. This kind of thinking is called one man band mentality. It's a one-man band mentality. Have you ever seen a one-man band? Go and Google it. So it's the guy that he has a drum, he has a keyboard, he has, uh, I don't know, he has like five different instruments and he's playing everything. And usually he's doing a good job and people are standing and are clapping and they're just in awe. You know that feeling, oh my God, you did this by yourself? Wow, you are amazing. Where people stand in awe, you know that thing? It's actually a cry for validation. It's someone that may be addicted to approval. They want approval so much that they'll keep sacrificing all sorts to receive that approval. So things that they can allow other people to take on and let some of those people take the glory and take some of the shine away from them, they would prefer to do it and have a completely stressed out life so that they can receive all of that approval. So like I said, just blink if it's you I'm talking to. <laughs> you don't have to put up your hand to say it's me. Just blink, okay? We know ourselves, all right? But the problem is this even though the one man band attracts attention and the awe of people and people marvel at him playing all these instruments like how are you doing it wow have you ever noticed that people don't employ one man bands for birthdays weddings have you ever been to a wedding that is a one man band no no people don't invite one man bands for the big stages why because they want the best 
the one the best the one man band is a novelty something to look at and say oh that's so nice oh and move on and when they want the big stuff to be done they go and get a proper band of specialists where there's a specialist playing the keyboard there's a specialist playing the drums there's a specialist playing the saxophone or whatever it is so that everything comes together in a beautiful harmony if you're that kind of person that i'm speaking to just let that analogy sink into you like oh my goodness it's true one man band people just stand and they're like oh lovely clap and they move on they don't go to them and collect their business card and say i am having a function come and be the one man band no they won't do i've never been to an event where i've seen a one man band a one man band is almost like for a circus do you understand that so that's the second reason the third reason is a lack of belief in other people's abilities a lack of belief and this one is tied to pride in the sense that nobody can really step up to you even the things that are mundane that you're supposed to hand off you're like no 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 you can't do it you can't do it right i don't understand always criticizing always criticizing and finding faults in the way people do things and eventually like just leave it i'll do it myself there's a problem of ego and of pride there right you want to check that and the last the fourth reason is the fear this is also quite common with women especially working women it is the fear of being judged or exposed as inadequate so if you have a working woman a professional particularly one that is climbing up in her career and she also has a family she has a husband she has kids and she doesn't want people to judge her to think oh my goodness this one is just neglecting her children and she's just climbing the career ladder meanwhile her children are doing well if you meet her children that the most respectful the most diligent nicest children kindest children you'll ever meet but there's still something a voice of accusation and it's Satan that is still whispering and saying, how can you, you know, spend all that time on that meeting when your children are there? Meanwhile, the children have eaten. They are fine. She's dedicating time to them, making sure that she's spending quality time with them. But she's like, oh, no, you know, nanny can't do this. I have to do this or whatever it is. So there's a fear of being judged, a fear of being exposed as inadequate. So those are four things that if you sit down, and consider and say, Spirit of Most High God, which one really is stopping me from leveraging other people's strengths? Help me. And the Holy Spirit will help you. Okay? I'm going to now move on. Before I go on to talk to you about how to delegate, and it's very simple. It's a very simple system. Nothing complicated. You can begin to literally implement it from today. I want to list four reasons which are the benefits of delegation, of leveraging other people's strength, why you must do it. It is not a matter of, I want to be less stressed. It's deeper than that. There are people's destinies that are tied to your ability to delegate. Did you hear me? There are people's destinies that are tied to your ability to delegate. If you don't do it, you are negatively affecting people's destinies. These are strong words and I'm not using them lightly. So four reasons why you must delegate. Number one, the most obvious benefit is it allows you to get more done faster. 
So delegating, leveraging on people's strengths multiplies productivity for yourself and for the team as a whole. So when I say team, I'm also referring to like family. I'm speaking both to career and I'm speaking to home as well. So it will help your family be more productive, advance quicker if you delegate. Number two, delegation helps to develop and empower the people under your leadership. That's why I said that destiny is tied to this thing. When you delegate responsibilities to your team, to your children, to service providers, so you bring somebody in to come and help you with your cleaning, that's what I mean by service providers. You actually present those people with an opportunity to develop themselves and to acquire new skills as they achieve the objectives that you set. This will make them more versatile and they can be more effective. As I said, we from a young age, and I've shared this story before on the podcast regarding parenting. My daughter at the time was probably six or seven, maybe six, I don't remember. But I was literally going to work, and as I was passing by one of those confectionaries on, on the tube, and I just saw a headline of a magazine. It said, The Obamas on Parenting. Obama's on as soon as I saw that I just I said I don't care if I'm going to be late I wasn't going to be late anyway but I'm like I'm buying so I went there picked up the magazine and I think it was like four pounds or something and I said they're asking me to pay four pounds to find out how these people that are raising exceptional children are doing it ah I paid quickly and I started reading and as I read that article it changed my life if you go back to my last episode in this series, I talked about growing and stimulating your mind by exposing yourself to other people's knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. This four pounds and having the time to say, oh, I'm not rushing. I'm going to sit down and read this thing, changed my parenting forever. And they talked about how they bought an alarm clock and gave it to each child. You start waking up maybe from age five or something. And then no TV during the week. The children would sit down and stimulate their minds. Instead, you finish your homework. Okay, go and read a book. You eat dinner together and all those kind of things. And I say, eh. Ah, so me, I did the same thing. Alarm clock, wake up, all those things. And honestly, I cannot overemphasize the importance of them. I've did it with my daughter. I've done it with my son. As in, I can't remember the last time when I would get up from my bed to go and say I'm waking and a child up. As in, eh? for what? What's wrong with, with your alarm clock broken? <laughs> my older daughter has now gone through to the point that she's gone through sixth form. My son has gone through 11 plus. He's now in secondary school. It is something that is written into their code because they have been trained by making sure, by delegating, for example, the waking them up, the, oh, pack your bags, the, oh, do this, the, oh, do that. Is it not time for it? By delegating that and putting that responsibility on them, I have trained up children that take initiative. They still sleep, okay? But it is rare. That's what I'm saying. In my business, there was a time where when I started, literally, I had to do everything by myself because it trains you. It helps you know the different parts of the business. You don't delegate too quickly the same way you don't tell a baby, go and feed yourself. No. So you have to learn some things. But after a while, you have to begin to hand things off. And I'm doing that even more because this is our season to scale. You cannot scale. You can't multiply without handing responsibilities off to experts. So you help 
help people develop. You help them develop. If you hire someone to go and take responsibility for something and you actually allow them to take that responsibility, they grow. They grow. Okay? The third one is linked to the second one and it is this. Delegation helps build up the self-esteem, the self-confidence of the people that you lead. When you delegate, it shows them you have confidence in them and they'll see themselves as an important and integral part of that system, of that team. That is so important. Honestly, it is completely important. With my daughter, for example, I remember that one of the things that I have ingrained into her is you can make your own decisions. I'm not going to tell you how to live your life from as little as when she was 10, 11, going into secondary school. She chose her school. In fact, that was when I learned this thing. Me, I, I was already fixated on a particular school. I said, Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I call you this school. You must open up for us. We have a place. We have secured a making confession that God didn't send me. <laughs> we now went to visit the school on open morning. And there was just something off. This is a school that I had been declaring for God months. You call the name of the school, say, in the name of Jesus, you have given my daughter a place. She has excelled, saying all these things. And we went, there's something was just not, I was just looking around the school like, even though it was a top performing school, there was just an aura that was off. Maxine too felt it. Yeah, she felt it. And then the other school that I had not, I had even discounted, like, if you are not the best, you are not good enough for my child. I had discounted it, just threw it away, didn't even look. Even though this was also a top performing school. I said, no, no, this one's better. This is the... As soon as we walked in, we just sort of looked at each other and it felt like home. I can't describe it. I can't describe it. It felt like home, like, ah, this is it. This is it. All right. So I learned that, ah, this girl, no. And she had sort of been resisting, not, not in a rebellious way because, you know, she's an obedient child. Like, I don't really, she was, I just saw that she wasn't too enthusiastic about that school that me, I was pushing and pushing and pushing. But for this one, as soon as she saw it, she was like, yes, this is an, her face lit up. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to push this child to do what is not inside her to do. And I just said, which one do you prefer? She said this one. Okay, fine. That's where you're going to go. The same thing. She said she wants to do international baccalaureate, IB, as opposed to doing A-levels. A-levels you do three subjects you focus on them get it over with ib you do six subjects with coursework with community service it is rigorous robust double if not triple the work of a levels she said that's what she wants to do but i had delegated the ability to sit down make her own decisions trusting in god to guide her she chose ib and oh my goodness thank god she chose ib because with all the corona and everything that's happening, she literally finished months in advance, no exams, but her coursework, everything is on point. She's predicted the top grades. If she had picked A-level, she'll still be going to school. She'll still be in the whole limbo, no exams. I don't know what they're going to predict me. But months in advance of when she should have actually finished, she's done. And with rest and assurance, with offers from university. So when she was picking the IB and me, I was like, why is this girl looking for trouble? Why can't just pick A-levels? Till the day we were registering for sixth form, I was just saying, are you sure you don't want to do A-levels? She was like, no, I want to do IB. And this is the school I'm meant to do it in. 
So there's a confidence that comes when you allow people to grow into their own strength. Okay? And last but not least is it allows you to personally experience exponential growth. So you, so we've talked about other people growing. You yourself will grow because you are focusing on the things where you are most proficient and can add the most value. You are not spreading yourself too thin and becoming a jack of all trades. Okay. Awesome. Finally, let us actually go to how we can delegate. And I'm going to be gleaning this system that I'm going to share with you from Jethro's advice to Moses. It's interesting how companies, researchers, universities, and all these top, 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 top people will spend thousands, tens of thousands, even millions of pounds, dollars to do research and studies when these things are in the Bible. Okay, go and buy a book from some Harvard professor or something like that that talks about delegation. What he's saying is already here in the Bible. That's why, honestly, the Bible, you cannot afford not to be engaging with the wisdom that is from God. God has already written about all the spectrums and dimensions of human life in the Bible. Okay, so there are four categories of jobs. Whatever tasks that you're doing, you can categorize them into four and then follow through with what I'm going to show you. And this is all based on what Jethro said. I've been using the system for many years. So it works. It definitely, certainly works. So let's see what Jethro said. This is Jethro's advice to him. He said, now listen to me, Moses. Let me give a word of advice and may God be with you. Meaning, <laughs> you better do it. God will strengthen you to do it. So don't say, but, but, but don't argue. He said, God will strengthen you. God will be with you to help you do it. Which is the same thing you should be doing. You should be saying, God, I know that I've done it like this for several years and it's hard to just switch like that. But with your strength and your wisdom, I know that I can. Okay, so you have to allow God in to help you. You say you should continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing their disputes to him. That's the first category. And that one is jobs that you must do, that you must never and cannot delegate, even if you tried. If you try and delegate that one, it will be a mess because that's the one that you are wired to do. That's your biggest strength. No one else has that access. No one else can do it as well as you. Jobs that you must do. You have to sit down and think it through and say, what are the core activities that I, allow me, must do in order for my life to have meaning, for my life to continue to explode at an unprecedented rate? For Moses, Jethro said, you must continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing their disputes to him. Remember I said, no one else could go into the presence of God but Moses. Moses could not have delegated that. He couldn't have said, well, Aaron, I'm tired of all these people. So Aaron, just go and face God and go. The smoke would have just blinded Aaron, sharp, sharp. Nobody was allowed. Nobody was allowed. Only Moses could go and have conversations with God. So that's the first thing, jobs that you must do. Moses was the only one who could face God and talk to him. No one else could. This was the most important role for him to play. 
he couldn't have delegated this nor could he have allowed other activities that he could have delegated to take him away from doing that and i guess that's actually what happened because he was sitting down handing the people's disputes and all that thing from sun up in fact before sun up to after sundown he now did not have time again to go and talk to god to go and have that face to face with god so once you identify those core activities you have now to say no this one is my rock you know you have rock pebble and sand this is my rock i can't allow sand to fill up my time so that it takes away my rock and without question one of those core activities is what moses was doing which is going into the presence of god so prayer the word that's just one that's a core activity if you are allowing other things that you can delegate to steal your time to the point where you don't have time to connect with God, you will be okay because of maybe like the reservoirs or whatever it is. But the time is coming when those reservoirs will thin out and it will cause problems. So that's the first one. Sit down and identify jobs that you must do, that only you can do them. Only you can do them the way you, are, you do them and that will produce the biggest outcome. So as a leader, things like visioning, things like strategy, that is what you are supposed to do, having the oversight over the whole system. Let me move on. The second one, he now goes on to say, teach them God's decrees and give them his instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives. That's the second instruction that Jethro gave him. And that one leads me to the second category of jobs. And this is jobs that you can do, but others can help. So first of all, the first one that he couldn't delegate, Jethro said, only you can talk to God. So make sure you always create time first in your calendar to go and talk to God. Secondly, he says, teach the people and give them instruction. Teach them. So you are facing the people now. Teach them about God. Teach them about God's decrees. Give them instructions on how to live their lives. Show them how to conduct their lives. Moses could do that. But he could also get people to help him. So he didn't have to be the person that will always teach the people. He could take a large chunk of that simply because he has unparalleled understanding of the laws of God and the character of God. So he can leverage on that and say, okay, I'm the one that really knows God well. So let me teach it. But at the same time, he can bring people. He's not the only person is what I'm trying to say. He was not the only person that could teach that that could do that activity. He's good at it, but he's not the only person. So for example, he can appoint leaders and he can teach them and then they can teach the people if that makes sense. So instead of having to teach all year round, he can say, okay, I'm going to delegate one Sunday a month and I'm going to teach and every other kind of teaching the leaders would do it. So do you understand that? The second category is you must identify things that you do well, that you should be doing, but if there are people that you can bring in to help you as well, make sure you do it. And relating to the home, so you can say, cook. You don't want your children to grow up, for example, on fast food. They always, we always only order food in. You might say, ah, I want them to, to eat the food that I cook. As a mother, as a wife, or as a father, as a husband, you say, I can cook. I actually like cooking. I enjoy cooking. But at the same time, can you bring people in to help you maybe take some things off that will make it easier? Can you delegate by automating? 
Does that, do you understand what I mean by that? So what I mean by that is, can you say, okay, on Saturday, I'm going to just make all the base and Nigerian food, for example, takes eons of time. <laughs> it's nice to eat, but it takes eons of time. You can make one Nigerian food for four to five hours. I mean, the food for things like that, by the time I finish cooking it, I just don't want to eat it again because the smells, everything. I was like, Ugh. I just, you people eat and enjoy. I just, I don't want to eat again. So can you sort of delegate by instituting and say on Saturday, this is what I'm going to spend my time doing. Or can you even outsource it? So you like to cook, you enjoy cooking, you want to cook. You don't want someone to completely take it off your hands, but can you order somebody to come and deliver your groceries? For example, that's what I mean by that. So jobs, number two jobs that you can do, but you can also bring other people to help you. Number three, let me keep reading. Jethro goes on to say, select from all the people, some that are capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes and appoint them as leaders of our groups of 1,150 and 10. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes, but have them bring the major cases to you. So the third category is jobs that others can and should do, but you can help. So other people will bear the major responsibility for it, but if they come against something that they can't solve or they feel like it would take your expertise to solve it, they bring it to you. So Jethro was saying, you know, how Moses was sitting down all day from before sunup, we're probably talking about 18 hours probably, where he was sitting down, oh, this person carried my goat, must say, why did you carry his goat? I don't understand. I thought it was my goat. Say it's my goat. It's not your goat. It's my goat. Can you imagine the person that is gisting with God, that is raising the stick and reds is patting, is having to say, it's your goat. It's not my goat. It's not my goat. It's your goat. The thing would have even driven him crazy. Like, oh my God, these people are driving me up the wall. Let him have the goat. I can imagine him really flipping out and shouting and then say, what is wrong with you people? It's stress. Because he's doing what he's not supposed to be doing. So he was doing that. Jethro said, listen, they can do that. But if there's something that they feel needs your expertise, let them bring it to you. So delegate things where other people have complete responsibility for it. And then they will bring things to you. Now, for me, currently in my business, as a CEO of my business, the team that we have, this is where we are. Where I have things that only I can do, so like this podcast, I'm not going to delegate the podcast for somebody to come and teach. People come to listen to me. So I can't delegate that. I can bring people in to contribute, but overall I should be doing that. But there are also some things that I have completely delegated. And if they get to the point where they feel like I need your input on this, can you come and consult on this? And that's perfectly fine. So he said the ones where they are major issues and it feels like we don't really know what to do. Let them bring that to you. So that's number three. And then number four is this. He said, let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. So number four is jobs that others can do without you. That one, you must completely take your hands off. 
So Jethro said, why are you listening, sitting down all day, listening to this one, carrying my goat? It's my goat. It's not my goat. It's your goat. It's not my goat. What's that? I mean, let Joshua and Caleb handle that. Let uh, some of the other leaders of the clans, let them to go to God and receive wisdom and do it. In the beginning, if they maybe want to impress and they're bringing everything to you, you have to chase them back. You have to say, no, 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 you can handle that. No, 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 you can handle that. And again, in parenting, I train my children. And some children tend to be more inclined to, to be dependent on people. My son is independent. My daughter is more dependent. So I had to train her from when she was a child. She come, mommy, what do you think? I said, go and think about it yourself. Oh, mommy, what, go, there's a thing there. Right? It's called a computer and it has Google. So open it and type in what is XXS and Google will tell you, don't ask me. I was training her to understand that stop relying on people for things that you God put a brain in your head to solve yourself. So in the beginning, you might find them coming to you, coming to you. Don't take that license to then keep solving the problem. You are paralyzing that person. You have to send them back and say, go and solve that thing yourself. You can do it. You may even give them a pointer or some kind of guidance the first time. The second time, say, the same way I told you to solve it the first time. Did you look at that? And if, if they say, oh, no, I didn't. You say, no, go and look at it and go and solve that problem. So the fourth one, jobs that others must do that should not involve you. And Jethro finished up by saying, if you follow this advice and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures. Do you feel like you are under pressure and you can't endure? This is why. Jethro said, you will be able to endure. the. So the pressures may not change. You will still be required to be a wife, a mother, a professional, a this, a this, a this. None of that to change, but you'll be able to endure it and live your life well. If you actually do all these things, I'll continue. And all these people will go home in peace. All these people will go home in peace, meaning your people too will be happy. Do you know that out of all the people that Moses actually appointed, Joshua came out of that. Caleb came out of that. If Moses had not developed those leaders, if he had not given them the opportunity to grow their own spiritual muscles and their leadership muscles, they would have all died in the wilderness. There'll be no Joshua and Caleb. So that's why I said destinies are tied. Destinies are tied to you being able to do these things. Moses, the Bible says, listened to his father-in-law's advice and followed his suggestions. The same way the Holy Spirit would empower you in the name of Jesus to listen to this advice that I'm giving you today. Then it says that he chose capable men from all over Israel and appointed them as leaders over the people. He put them in charge of groups of 1,150 and 10. These men were always available to solve the people's common disputes. So the last category, the things that they had to do, they were always available to do. Don't bring it to me. Moses must have told them. I don't want to hear about somebody's goat. Okay. I don't care. Okay. You can give him your own goat if you like to solve the problem, but don't bring it to me. <laughs> All right. And it goes on to say that they brought the major cases to Moses but they took care of the smaller matters themselves. So the four categories again, number one, 
the activities and the jobs that you must do. You cannot delegate that because you are the expert for that thing. It is the big activities that are assigned to you that you are wired by default to do. Number two, things that you can do but others can help. So you know that you enjoy doing it, you want to do it, but you don't have to do all of it. If other people can help you, bring them in to take maybe 10, 20, 30, 40, or even 50% of the work and carry the load with you. The third one is things other people can do, but you can help. So you should only be doing maybe about 10% of that. Like they were handling the disputes, and they were leading the people, but if they had a major situation that they couldn't decide on, they took it to Moses. And the last one is where you have 0% involvement. They had to handle those tiny, 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 irritating things by themselves without involving Moses at all. So those are the four categories. And I'm going to finish up with a quote from a book called Business Secrets from the Bible. It's a powerful book. And he talks a lot about something called the law or the power of specialization. And he's basically talking about this delegation. And I quote, this is why you will almost never find Jews tinkering with their cars in their driveways on weekend afternoons. In the Jewish neighborhoods of most cities, you will almost never find Jews mowing their lawns. Why? Because we understand the power of specialization. If I pay my incredibly competent mechanic to maintain my BMW automobile, and if I pay the ambitious youngster down the block to mow my lawn, I therefore purchase valuable hours in which to practice and perfect my own craft or trade. Each of us accomplishes our tasks far more quickly than we could do individually because we have acquired proficiency at our particular task and are able to apply efficiency by not spreading ourselves thin. By hiring them, I have more time and attention to devote to becoming better at my own trade and I will certainly earn more money working in my own specialized trade than I will trying to save a dollar by spending my time tinkering with my car rather than paying a proper mechanic. The difference adds to my wealth. It adds to the mechanic's wealth too. Everyone wins. So this book was written by a Jewish rabbi and this is how Jewish people, you know, Jewish people, they literally took the law of God and the way of being and they implemented it. And the only while is that they rejected Jesus. But hey, they took the same principles that God teaches in the Bible and they have perfected it. And this guy was saying, you won't see Jews sitting there saying, oh, I'm going to be my own cleaner. I'm going to be my own mechanic. I'm going to mow my own lawn. I'm going to do everything in my company. I'm going to do this for my children. I'm going to blah, 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 blah. No, no, it is unproductive. And it is actually counterintuitive. That's why you keep feeling like something is wrong. Something is just not right. Remember what Jethro said to Moses. He said, if you do this, the pressure that you feel will be gone. And you'll be able to endure. You'll be able to live life even though you still have the same number of tasks to get done. Because you're leveraging on other people's strengths. Everybody grows and everybody wins. Okay? That's me done, and I will be back next week for another episode of the Super Abundant Life Podcast. Don't forget, don't forget, 
I would really love it if you could do me this one favor, rate and review the podcast and invite people, share it with people and let them listen to the podcast as well. Thank you so much. I will see you next week. Bye.